Um, Can you imagine if everything Trump said was just like a law? <laughs> you know that's what he thought, though, right? He literally thought that everything he tweeted just became law. This is an associate's. We are not CEOs. We are associates. That's what we And welcome to this episode of And Associates. I am one of your hosts, Preston Eberlin, along with your favorite host, Carson. And we are here recording. I am recording post nap, so I am trying to wake up while we record. Uh, but I'll, I, I, I am awake enough to remind you to su- subscribe, rate, and review us on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, and we'll go right into corrections. Corrections, Carson. What, what, what do you have? Um, well, I've been awake. I didn't get a nap today, so maybe a correction is going to be my crankiness because I didn't get a nap. <laughs> um, I just wanted to bring up, I know that we've talked about the five love languages before, mm-hmm. um, and then we later corrected it because we said that the guy who wrote that is like this huge homophobe. Um, well, there's a new thing out that's called Speaking from the Heart, 18 Languages for Modern Love, and it's an updated and expansive approach that recognizes love languages apply to all relationships, not just heterosexual marriage. Um, And some of the like additional love languages that are talked about are solidarity, platonic touch, personal growth, and accountability. And I don't know the rest of them, but I don't think I would list 18 anyway. Um, that's so, that's so much. <laughs> that's so Yeah, but I feel like you would just let me go through the list if I just started reading 18 names. I, I mean, I definitely would. I would 100% let you. Um, and like, good on this person. Sorry, what was their name? Who? Oh, shoot. I didn't say it. <laughs> that's a good question. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, good on them for, um, updating this for you know a modern thing but i'll i'm I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound so dickish which is probably because i just woke up and that's where i'm at right now but this sounds like one of the most like millennial things ever where we're like look i don't just fit into one of the five categories i need 18 to describe what my kind of love is which like is good in the sense that, like, I like that they made it inclusive and uh, inclusive of all expressions of love, uh, which is very appreciative because, like, I think, like, you know, the platonic um, touch is something that uh, is, is, is important. But anyway, sorry, who is it? <laughs> um, the author is Anne Hodder Ship. Um, she, they are her pronouns. Perfect. They are pronouns. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I just want to comment since you brought up the millennial thing. It's not our fault. We didn't raise ourselves. It's It's our parents' fault. Look, it's our fault. It's also, um, Generation Z's fault for not fixing things yet. God damn it. (laughs) We're just here waiting for you to fix everything, kids. Come on. Um... But no, it's, it's, it's like often something that will happen in research where like someone will come up with, well, first of all, the five love languages was not researched by this man. He just kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it just came out that he just was like this. He's published. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Peer reviewed I, I, by seven pastors. <laughs> I'm, I'm like pretty sure he just was like I think there's five I think there's <laughs> this, is, this is where I'm at um, but like in research people will often you know come up with rebuttals that's that's part of certain certain uh, styles of research and I mean what we're so this is this is actually a good segue so um, actually before we get into that segue Carson what other corrections and clarifications do you have <laughs> None. Okay, perfect. So, uh, and of course I don't have any because I'm perfect. 
um, slash I don't I couldn't even tell you what our topic was last week right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're just gonna move right in. And Carson, do you want to play us in? Here we are together after your nap. <laughs> <laughs> gonna talk about things and stuff again like we usually do <laughs> perfect thank you so much Carson um and yeah so what I'm about to or what I wanted to segue into was talking about research and um why uh you know people often will look at a body of research and be like well I don't know if that's everything or a theory and be like that's not everything. And the reason I brought that up is because that is often what happens in the international realm or in international politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'll remember, um, I studied it uh, in, my, in grad school, it being international <laughs> relations <laughs> and comparative politics. And so, um, I mean, I can, I can just give you a, a quick rundown that there are main, two main strain, strains of international th- uh, relation theory, which are realism and, uh, idealism, right? I, I, excuse me. I just <laughs> having a moment, uh, idealism, but then there, are you having a stroke? I, I kind of felt like it, but then, um, there are strains within that, uh, which gets down from like the super meta level of just thinking about states as uh, states being nation states as actors and them doing things based on solely um, power and that sort of thing get all the way down to uh, constructionalism uh, which is just talking about how everything's a construct and every 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 little thing a state does will affect a state's Preach. actions so um, anyway the reason I say wait, that wait 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 sorry what's realism and idealism then so those were the two like prevailing uh, theories initially. Like when you look at um, the IR international uh, relation theory, like way back, it, it's it's it stems from those two branches. Okay. Um, okay. The main. So like, kind of like Freud. No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, anyway, the reason I talked about that was because we're going to be talking about um, Palestine and Israel. Uh, I don't know, listeners, if, if you know anything about what's going on over there or what has been going on there for a century now. Um, but it's, it's not been all peace and love. Um, it has been much chaos. And uh, so what we're going to do is, I believe I am going to be giving you a brief overview of the history, and then Carson is going to talk about um, what's been going on uh, in terms of basically the past, like, decade, decade and a half. Um, And throughout our conversation, and perhaps um, I'll be trying to follow this, and I may ask questions of you Carson like when you bring up things and ask questions of me uh but I I want to be very careful (laughs) about the way we approach this because often uh Americans uh as 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 we do being um being American we often think we uh know best about what's happening in in a place uh internationally um, and so we will be, uh, well, not just internationally, also nationally and locally and everything. But, um, so anyway, that's all being said that we're going to try to, um, be as, uh, informational as possible. Um, but also give you our opinions like we always do, because that's what we do here. Um, so first of all, uh, Palestine and Israel uh, I am going to be using such sources as my thesis that I wrote for my master's paper because <laughs> one of my three case studies was uh, on Israel and Palestine. And so luckily, at the beginning chapter of, uh, of my uh, Palestine and Israel uh, conflict chapter, 
uh, I gave an introduction of that. So I'm going to be using that, which my sources for that were uh, PBS, um, and there was a really good book written by... I need to look up the name. His, I, it's, of course I didn't put it here. But his last name was like Hare, Har, H-A-R, H-A-I-R. Uh, um, and that was one of the greatest, not greatest, but best uh, overviews of the uh, conflict that I've read um, when working on my thesis. Anyway, so I'm going to just give an overview and we'll go from there. So, uh, during World War II, the Nazi Holocaust prompted a heavy migration of the Jewish people from Europe to Palestine. This migration was after um, British had seized control over Palestine in 1917 from the Ottomans, uh, also known as uh, colonization. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, that will be playing a large role in this uh, conflict. Um, and it produced the Balfour Declaration that launched a clear muddling of the understanding of what the intention and purpose behind Jewish migration to Palestine was. What that means is it um, created basically a um, conflict in terms of the politics of why exactly there was a huge migration from um, different parts of Europe to Palestine uh, from the like international perspective. In 1947, the UN recommended the parting of Palestine into two separate states, one for Arabs and one for Jews. Now, in theory, this has been the goal for almost every conflict resolution endeavor um, for the past couple of decades. You will often hear when talking about Israel and Palestine that the, the, the easiest way is just a two-state solution. Um, now, the 1947 UN recommendation was rejected by every neighboring um, Arab state in the region as the um, narrative coming out of the U UN was not clear in terms of relocation of Jews and Arabs. So what that means, or in other words, there were no simple, simply uh, divisible lines between Jews and a Arabs um, or Muslim people. I can't believe I used Arabs in my thesis. Um, and that was, that was, uh, okay. It was, it was commonly, it was commonly used to ba describe it. Back when you then. This. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Jews and Arabs uh, were living interchangeably in the nation. So in other words, they were neighbors. <laughs> they weren't just like, oh, this is a street of Jewish people. This is a street of Muslim people. This is a street of whatever. Anyway, so following the UN recommendation, uh, in 1948, Zionist leaders declared a state of Israel causing fights and conflict to break out. This declaration was also made, so this was made as British forces, which again had been there since 1917, is that right? Yeah, 1917, were leaving the country. Mm -hmm. So the, the Zionist leaders, the, um, the, the Jewish leaders at the time, uh, just kind of just declared the state of Israel as the British forces were leaving. So for the next two decades, there were many, many, many skirmishes uh, were fought between Israel and Palestine and many of the Arab uh, neighbors, which included um, Egypt and Jordan. In May of 1964, the Palestine Liberation Organization, or the PLO, was formed. And the following five decades to present time were filled with reoccurring conflict and attempted peace talks, which the most well-known peace talk um, are the Oslo Accords in the 1990s. Uh, quick rundown of, <laughs> of the Oslo Accords. But at the very end of them, um, so the Oslo Accords took place um, and... Uh, the U.S. decided, oh, we want a part, a part of that. After the agreement was basically already made, the U.S. was like, oh, we'll just be here to show, show support. So they were just like, we want some credit. Um, love the U.S. for that. 
So, uh, just some things that I'll note before I'll throw it over to you, Carson. Um, but if you remember, which um, I don't remember, so I don't know why our listeners would remember or you, Carson, would remember. But there was another episode where we talked about international conflict, and I, I kind of equated it to um, recess and um, or, or like the playground uh, at, at elementary school and how um, like certain nations like the u.s would be considered like fifth graders or like big bigger kids because they just have more power that sort of thing um and then we also kind of like equated it to then recess the show and so just to give someone and i or give our readers or our readers what the fuck we're not writing shit um i'll give (laughs) give our listeners an idea of um israel's relationship with the u.s um in 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 the in the metaphor that is recess the show i i equated israel to randall um and the u.s then would be mrs finster (laughs) so for those who don't know what that means randall is the snitch of the playground who always runs to mrs finster about things that are going on um in um on the playground and one of the one of the main reasons that um, the U.S. has has kept such a close eye on Israel or watched over, if you will, is because, um, one, they've been a, a, a good ally to the U.S. in terms of providing information on the Middle East because there's so much conflict in the Middle East. And as we all know, uh, growing up in the middle of two wars in um, the... Uh, in, in the Middle East that the U.S. was directly involved in. The U.S. likes to get involved in, in, in conflicts. Uh, sometimes when we shouldn't be or, you know. Um, anyway, so um, Israel also as a Jewish nation, which it was founded as a Jewish nation in 1948, um, and they, they proclaimed it as such. However, again, they proclaimed that, but there were still... Muslim people living in Israel, um, which, Carson, you'll get into a little later. But anyway, all I want to impress upon everyone is, um, with my final words here, are that uh, the U.S. sees Israel as kind of that that playground snitch to offer um, information to... um, us regarding what's going on in the region and so that's why a lot of the times the u.s will not strongly condemn uh or condemn at all israel's actions um and why it, it, in for the past century basically everything that israel does the, the the u.s doesn't have a strong stance against and now um, that some representatives and uh, U.S. politicians are like, maybe this isn't okay. Maybe everything that Israel is doing isn't okay. Um, why there's so much pushback? Because also one other thing that I didn't talk about, but I'll just mention, is that Israel has a strong lobbying force um, in the U.S. Um, political system. They are, they are active in the U.S. Yeah. political system. Uh, and... Yeah. What one one way they are very active is with evangelical Christians, um, but anyway. So I'm just gonna leave it there and uh, let Carson then take over uh, in terms of what is currently having ha- have happening happening uh, as I have left us in the uh, late 1990s. Um. Okay. So a few things. Um just so people know, people like Nelson Mandela and Malcolm X have spoken on this um, and said things like, we know too well that our freedom is incomplete without the freedom of Palestinians. That was Nelson Mandela. And Malcolm X said, you can't separate peace from freedom because no one can be at peace unless he has his freedom. Um, And so I would encourage you to look more into what um, some leaders have said about um, Palestine. So, um, looking at the timeline, um, starting in Obama administration, which, to be clear, 
am going to drag the Trump administration. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the Obama administration um, also supported Israel. Um, like I think like eight and a half million dollars a day in military aid or something. Um, so the United States, as Preston kind of indicated, has always had like a hand in saying like, all right, Israel, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2008 and nine, um, there were several attacks, rockets, airstrikes, all of the things, um, killing hundreds, maybe even in the thousands of Palestinians. Um, in 2010, notably, the U.S. tried to hold a talk between Palestine and Israel. Um, and it, as Preston said, in the, in the 90s, that was under Clinton, I think, um, the Oslo Accords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but in, in 2010, um, tried at peace talks again. Um, and then in 2011, Palestine tried to... Um, be recognized as a state under the United Nations. Meanwhile, all the time, you know, there are ongoing bombings and things like that. Um, and, and and back and forth, right? It's going from um, Israel toward Palestinians and also the other way. But the, the thing to note is um, that Israel is like this, it's like, um, ah, like David and Goliath. Right, Israel is this like superpower as far as military um, force and weapon usage and defense and all of these things and the money that they have because they have support from the United States and Canada and places like that. Um, and and Palestine is, you know, David, um, just this sort of tiny um, force seeking liberation. So. Um, in 2012, then you have um, the resolution where they're um, recognizing Palestine as a non-member observer state status. Um, and um, you also have the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. Um, so I think what you're seeing is the United Nations starting to go, oh, um, maybe we should pay attention to this, and maybe there are like some human rights violations going on here. Um, and again, there are hundreds of Palestinians that are being killed in this. Um, and then 2013, 2014—well, um, I want to separate the two. 2013, still ongoing killings, um, largely of Palestinian people. Um, and. 2014 then the reason I wanted to separate that a little bit is because you start to see some of the and I don't know if reporting change um, or if I, I suppose tactics which have always been sort of dirty and not following like international rules and laws anyway um, but you start to see sort of some very tragic things happen as far as you know just like kids and teenagers being killed and um, people with disabilities who are being killed. Um, and then, um, of course, um, the Trump administration, what we saw was a 10-year, in, in 2016, a 10-year um, deal or agreement of $3.8 billion in aid per year um, from the United States. So the things that we see, the military occupation, which I'll get more into, um, and the land theft and all of these things by the Israeli troops, is partially funded by your tax dollars. Um, the United States government is sending that money. Um, and $3.8 billion is a lot. Um, so, and, and then you have in 2019 or 20, I think, uh, Jared Kushner had the vision for peace and <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that just solved everything, um, I think. Yeah, if, if I could talk about the negotiations just real quick. So 
the one of the reasons the Oslo Accords were quote unquote so successful was because the the facilitating nation, which I couldn't remember when I was talking about it, so I looked it up real quick, was Norway. It wasn't the U.S. The issue is when the U.S. gets involved because having the U.S. negotiate or or excuse me or facilitate a negotiation is like having. Um, your best friend facilitate a discussion with your worst enemy. Like it's it's not um it's it's not a true facilitator. It's a very biased facilitator. So uh shout out to Norway in uh the nineteen nineties. Um and we just need them again. So come back Norway. Anyway, sorry, continue. And so Jared Krishner um was not a non biased uh facilitator is my point. Anyway, sorry. And that would make sense because it's Oslo Accords, so like Oslo, Norway. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know that. Um, so, and I think part of that in that um, in that talk that you were just that you just brought up is that one of the leaders, um, and I don't remember which leader, um, was just in a very different place than they had been in any previous talk and there was someone who was willing to like do something completely different with the land agreements basically and I think that that's sort of what was also at play is that there was just something some very different talks and agreements going on which makes sense because it was someone more um better suited to be leading the the talk and the negotiation Mm -hmm. facilitating the discussion um so and, and here, so now I'm going to get into, like, basically the last week or so and why um, these talks, peace talks and things like that, um, aside from, you know, the U.S. being involved, in my opinion, is um, problematic, inherently problematic, um, because you have basically the invalidation of an entire nation and um from the from the palestinian perspective so um you have nobody asked them when the land was initially split up which it was split up in such a weird way i don't think you um visually described it at all but it wasn't like they just cut the the land or the country in half half, right 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 right. it's it's yeah (laughs) It's it's like th- th- think of the weirdest gerrymandering map that you can think of gerrymandering being the way we draw our con- congressional districts, which honestly should be a topic we talk about, um, especially <laughs> considering they're going to be doing that in the next couple of months. Um, but think of that weirdest one. And that's what uh, Israel and Palestine look like in terms of the way they carved it out. Think, right. Yeah. It has like fingers and so the and United, stuff. like it looks wonky. Yeah, so the United Nations did this first of all, and it was like, okay, how is that gonna work? Because it's very, very weird. Um, but the, they also just like did not ask the Palestinian people. They were like, do you want to do this, or will this work, or what do you think about this? Nothing, no involvement. Um, and so I think that there was there's just a lot of um, issue from there. And then also, if you want to go clear back to, like, 1917, there's the issue with, like, the British doing this thing where they really just want to beat the Ottoman Empire. So they are promising several different groups, like, you can have this land. Um, and just causing, you know, being being white people and causing problems. Mm. Um so anyway, so right now what we're looking at is a neighborhood of Jerusalem, which I'm going to try to um, pronounce, but it honestly might be a correction next week. So it's, um, no, it's not going to happen. It's spelled S-H-E-I-K-H-J-A-R-R-A-H. Um, and I tried to practice it before this episode and it just did not come out so i'll try again next week um i'm proud of you for trying yeah um it's it's a very weird like the way that the sound is made it's um yeah anyway um so basically this is where some palestinian families are 
live and own houses and land there. Um, and what's going on is what I would refer to as settler colonialism and ethnic cleansing. And ethnic cleansing is mass expulsion or killing of members of an unwanted ethnic or religious group in a society. So Israel doesn't want, you know, Palestinians. Um, and essentially there's like this military occupation and land theft going on by the Israeli troops. Um, and a lot of people in the past, like in up until, I don't know, probably the last five years or so, have by and large called this like a conflict. I think um, officially in some textbooks it's there's like the Arab-Israeli conflict or something. Um, but I would say try not to call it a conflict because a lot of what's happening is Israel is oppressing the Palestinians um, and this is state-sanctioned violence. Um, the Israelis are a group of people colonizing Palestine and they're using methods of military occupation, apartheid, and ethnic cleansing. Palestine is the country and Israel is the settler colony attempting to colonize the native population. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> right. Like, we've seen this before um, so many times. Um, and, you know, it's not just... Uh, I think growing up, we were told it was about uh, religion and that it was a thousands of years old sort of con conflict. Um, and it's, it's important to know that it's not just about religion. Um, there are Palestinian Christians, Jews, Muslims, and before the creation of Israel, they were all living together peacefully. Um, and so, um, one of the things that I want to bring up is the Nakba, which translates to catastrophe in Arabic. And I'm going to say happened, but I'm going to say in quotes, happened um, in 1948 and is rem remembered or commemorated on May 15th. So um, is that today? That's today. today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's cool, I think. Yeah. Um, the day we're, we're we will... recording. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was there are there are several different numbers that were given. So somewhere between like 530 and 600 Palestinian villages um, were destroyed, and the Palestinian people were forcibly removed from their homes. And a lot of the history of Palestinian people was erased. Um, and so again, that was in 1948. Which and was so, which? Just going back was the year that. Um, the British forces left and the, um, the Zionist leaders declared the state of Israel. So that's what that is. Yeah. Um, and, and Palestinians have been saying Nakba is still going on. It's still occurring to this day. That's why I said happened in quotation marks, um, uh, because they're still facing expulsion. They're still facing home demolition. They're still facing land confiscation. Um, and all of this is, um, well, I actually don't know technically if it's what we're seeing on the news, because that's part of the problem too, is that we have a little bit of a, um, biased perspective of what the media is showing us. Um, and even, it doesn't, it's not even like a Fox News versus CNN thing. It's like Western media generally is painting this picture and um, we're just not getting the whole story. And it's hard to gather all of that without, you know, unless you're getting sources from some sort of, you know, Palestinian newspaper or organization or group or something like that. Um, and so keep in mind, too, that all of this is happening right now in the last, like, week or so during Ramadan which is like a holy month of observance for the Muslim faith. So just like really, really tragic. You know, I mean, think about seeing, like suppose you're in the United States, but you have Palestinian roots and you're seeing your home country and your people 
just being terrorized during a time where you're supposed to be like praying and all of this stuff like I can't imagine how traumatizing and heartbreaking this is um and you're seeing like um Israeli troops attacking Palestinians and raiding mosques and assaulting worshipers which is you know awful like I'm hesitant to compare it to things in the United States but you know just for like some perspective we've seen people go into like churches and and mosques and things like that in the United States and and shoot people and that's you know that's tragic it's breaking news and you know sort of stops the whole country for a minute or two um and so just thinking about like what they're facing what they're going through right now is absolutely heartbreaking and so I think that the Palestinians are demanding liberation and they just want basic human rights um they're fighting for freedom and rights against heavily armed police and soldiers who are using tear gas and stun grenades and skunk water and there are families that are literally trapped inside their houses as bombs are going off all around them doing things like they're choosing to sleep this is this is super super sad they're choosing to sleep in the same bed in the same room so that if and when they die they die together how awful is that decision to make like as a parent you're like i'm want my kid to sleep in my bed with me tonight so that like you know one of us doesn't have to search for bodies in the morning or something like that like we've never been in a i guess like a war zone or something like where there are constantly bombs going off and airstrikes and rockets and all of these things so it's hard for me to imagine how they feel and what they're going through but you know I think that they're pretty scared and um just trying like you know hanging on by a thread just trying to survive Mm -hmm. um and I, I think, too, like, some people have said historically and presently there are parallels between the oppression suffered by black people and pa- the Palestinian nation. Um, and I think that that's maybe, like, a separate analysis. But I just wanted to point that out um, to some of our listeners to think about. And um, ultimately, I, I think a lot of Palestinians would say that Israel has no legal claim to East Jerusalem. And, and, and then, just on top of all of this, literally, like, everything, like, this is, I feel like this is so emotionally heavy, very, like, taxing just um, to think about and talk about. But on top of all of this, the pandemic is happening there, too. Like, they're also dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know, it's not isolated. It's not just you know, here in the United States or something, um, they're also dealing with COVID. Um, So I think, I guess, what I want to say is that there's no way in a million years that we could do justice to a topic that is so complex. Um, But I think, like, we tried our best to explain the history and the current state and also like our perspective as like people living in the United States and me personally like as a white woman so um I think taking into consideration like any biases that we might have or anything that like we just might not understand um but we're trying to understand I did the classic like YouTube search um, explaining this situation, but like for kids, mm-hmm. um, which was helpful. Um, but I, I stand firmly in the belief that Palestinians deserve liberation, and I support that. And um, Joseph Rabinette. Um, or I think literally was today or yesterday, um, said that he, like, really didn't even condemn what was going on in Israel, um, on Israel's end, on their 
behalf um, and just said, I hope that it's going to end soon. Like, that is so far removed and so tone deaf in so many ways. Like, when you think about families who are just sleeping in the same bed thinking that they're going to die and they're like preparing to die together and he says something like I hope it ends soon um do better so anyway I hope the United States pulls its funding at the very least so a couple of things I wanted to uh, bring up as we're winding down our discussion but there was kind of a comparison made between uh, us coming to the, um, I think us being Americans, coming and taking native land and uh, the Israelis or the Jewish people doing the same. I I, want to be very clear that many of the Jewish people that came to Israel and then fought for its liberation um, and... Uh, were refugees from World War II. Um, and that's like hundreds of thousands of, of, of Jewish people, uh, which doesn't, doesn't make it right, um, but they were refugees who were displaced because of Hitler. So really, whose fault is this conflict but Hitler uh, is what I'm getting at. So it's either Hitler's fault or... Um, it could be the British forces who colonized in 1917. Yeah. So, um, and they were like, oh, we'll just put them here. But the part of the reason they said, oh, we'll just put them here is because um, of the historical significance of Jerusalem being holy land for the Jewish people and Western society seeing Jew- Jewish individuals um, or the Jewish religion as more... Uh, more likely to be democratic than um, Islam or Muslim uh, religion, which is one reason that the U.S. continues to support uh, Israel um, or, or the, the state of Israel or the being of Israel over any sort of other uh, entity is because they see it as um, m- more likely to um, continue democracy in the Middle East, which which is an old, old mindset from, like, the 1960s. Vietnam War. That's one, that's one of the reasons the Vietnam War happened, was because communism was bad. Um, and we were like, we can't let it fall. Uh, well, it fell anyways. Great job, U.S. Um, but I just... I want... I, 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 this... That region um, is very hard to talk about um, I think from a non-biased perspective and even, even everything I'm, I'm saying, like I'm, I'm probably coming at it from, um, a biased perspective in terms of the, the Israelis, because like I had a Holocaust survivor come to undergrad and I went to his talk and he told me about everything that happened. He was like, well, God said that Jerusalem was for us. I was like, well, Okay, but that doesn't mean you can just kill people for it. Um, right. This this isn't that doesn't make it okay. So I do. Um, my 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 point in saying that is, it can the conflict or the uh, crisis, the state sanctioned uh, killing, whatever you want to call it, can be because of many things. It can be because of religion. It can be because of prejudice. Prejudice. That's not a word. Um, but it can be because of all those, uh, different things in the past, uh, couple years, we've seen the, the rise of nationalism globally. And so that is one thing that Israeli's leader Netanyahu has used to hold on to power. Um, even though he's had multiple elections, uh, in the past, um, two years to oust him out. He is clinging on um, because he is um, uh, he, he has rooted himself as the um, the savior of Israel and backing of um, continued uh, killings and targetings of uh, the Palestinian people. 
I I don't have a solution for this conflict because or or this um this issue <laughs> I'm gonna call it an issue. I I still don't feel great calling it a state sanction but because to to do that would then legitimize <laughs> Israel as a state. Um, oh, well, Trump already did that. Oh, oh, so Daddy Trump did. So okay. <laughs> well, well, if Daddy Trump said it, then <laughs> my bad. Um, Can you imagine if everything Trump said was just like a law? <laughs> you know that's what he thought, though, right? He literally thought that everything he tweeted just became law. Oh, it's fine. Um, He's like, and that's how a bill is, becomes a law. Um, oh my god. Um, <laughs> but my 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 reason for saying that is because all of us are going to approach it by how we think the conflict should be solved. And what I mean by that is one of the ways or reasons Norway was so successful. And again, we're just going back to basic conflict resolution or diplomacy. Let's just call it diplomacy. Um, basic diplomacy, wherein Norway didn't have anything to gain. So they could facilitate a conversation um, that, 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 that got all sides to think about different, different issues or whatever. The U.S. or Jared Kushner coming in, his whole focus, if we go back to his, what he was focused on, he knew business. So he used business as a way to uh, stoke conversation and made it all about the economy because he saw the, um, the issue in that recent region as being economic in nature. Um, so anyway, all of this is to say this shit is messy, but there are some things that you can do to uh, further educate yourselves and um, mm -hmm. further, uh, I think, make other people aware of this conversation which you could just you know share this podcast or you could uh do these <laughs> other things that carson is going to tell you about um yeah so you can uh, go to bdsmovement.net or um bit.ly slash rise up with palestine um and those are one tells you sort of um divesting strategies and things like that. Another one um, helps you understand, like, writing a letter to uh, Congress, I think, your representative, about um, what what they should be doing in, in this instance. Because, I mean, let's be clear, like, uh, our representatives could be demanding that the United States stop sending the funding, right? Mm -hmm. Or has a, uh, what do we do? We have like sanctions or taxes or we have all sanctions. sorts of different things. Or we can just yeah. withhold, we can withhold the aid until they stop. Like yeah. there's a lot of shit we could be doing that's, that's, that really isn't even enough in my eyes, but literally it's so much more than I hope it stops. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that and that, and that's one of the other things is... You go back and forth, and by you I just mean humans in general slash Americans in general, between the U.S. just shouldn't be involved in any of these international things because anytime we get involved, our biases come out and um, we throw our money at the wrong people. Uh, see Afghanistan and Ronald Reagan. Um, <laughs> and, or um, we should be heavily involved and um, then uh, you, you, you run the risk, or I guess international theory would, would, would follow the uh, old adage of, do you, go with the, do you go with the devil you know or the devil you don't know? Um, so anyway, Carson, I feel... I'm not going to say good about how I presented my parts of this, but I will say I feel pretty okay with us giving a nice general um, information dump on, uh, right. on, on what's, what's happening. Um, anything, anything else you want to add? I, I, I will just, I'm just going to reiterate the recess metaphor because honestly, that's one of the easiest ways for me to understand things. So again, 
Israel is the snitch or Randall. And by snitch, I don't mean like golden snitch. I mean like the, the one that goes and tells Mrs. Finster or the U.S. or the teacher um, everything that's going on, which is one reason um, the U.S. keeps giving them money. Also, in the world, in terms of nuclear politics, um, because that is important to know uh, who has nukes and who doesn't, um, it is not confirmed that Israel has nukes. However, it is highly suspected that the U.S. has given at least the technology to create them to um, Israel. But again, has not been confirmed. Um, yeah, and I'll just reiterate uh, something that you said as well, which is I, I think the point of this was to spark your, um, I guess we'll say, interest mm -hmm. and give you a, a sort of foundational understanding from a um, from a United States person's perspective of what's going on and spur you to go do some research and learn more about what's going on and um, how you personally feel about it and what you're going to do about it. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Carson. Shall we go to uh, walking and talking? Let's do it. Perfect. Uh, should I go first? Or do you want to go first? You go first. Okay. Category is books. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> per usual. Uh, so I finished the books and everything. I told you I started to rewatch the movies. One thing that I think a lot of people, especially the people who only saw the movies did not realize, and I think a lot of people who have read the books didn't realize, was that Lily and James Potter were 21 when they died. In the movie... What? I don't know why you're saying what. Did you not know this? No. I was thinking they were late 20s, early 30s. That's because the actors that they chose... They chose like thirty-five-year-olds. That way, when Harry was older, it didn't—it it didn't look weird that his mom was only four years older than he was. In the, Harry's mom was four years older than he was in the seventh book. They were right out of school, right out of school in 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 Hogwarts time is seventeen. Um, they were right out of school. Made a baby. Made the baby. Harry popped out when um, she was 20. She died when she was 21. Which makes her sacrifice and and the, the love protection that she put over him so much more significant. She was 21, Carson. <laughs> I've never loved anything so much to die for it. Maybe my cats. Um, so maybe I do understand. But... She was 21, and that, that is one thing that if they could remake the movies, I think now maybe they would do that. Because here's the thing, just imagine now, just imagine if you will, that last scene of Harry, so spoiler alert everyone, but Harry talking and walking with his mother and father, and then they would be around the same age. Um... Wait, I, how did you figure out their ages? At what point does it say their age? Well, you just have to do the math of when they died um, and when they were born. So I did, like, I, I, I looked it up to confirm it um, on, like, Harry Potter Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's, it's 21. Like, I don't... So, okay, so Lily Potter Evans was born... Um, the 30th of January, 1960, she died the 31st of October, also known as Halloween, on, in 1981. She was 21. Wow. She was fucking 21. She was pregnant with Harry at 19. Her and James were out of school for two years. Then they made Harry, <laughs> or they ordered him from the stork. And he was born when she was 20, which, again, when you think about it, those ages make sense because, like, they had fallen in love. They were a young couple. Um, yeah. But just thinking about, 
everything that happened. I mean, because when they were... This is so interesting, because now I'm kind of thinking about, like, J.K. Rowling and her creating this universe. And if I were to write a book, I feel like if I were to write about a, a mother of a child, the, the mother would be, like, my age. Like, I would write about someone born in, like, the 90s. Um, she wasn't born in the 60s, was she? Um, she being J.K. Rowling? Yeah, yeah. Um, she was born in 1965. Oh my god! Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Weird. Alright. Which... I, I didn't know she was that old. That makes sense that she's transphobic then. <laughs> um, but no, so I mean, I... I so when she was when she was writing um, *Philosopher's Stone*, she was thirty-two. But when she thought of it, she was twenty-five, which I believe was like when she had her first kid. Um, mm. But anyway, so again, because the movies conditioned us to think that Lily and James were just, but again, James didn't have a fucking wand when he was, like trying to buy Lily and Harry time and he was a 21 year old he was a frat boy like what the fuck <laughs> that's crazy yeah it just Love that. it just makes it even i i think it makes it even more powerful not that not that old parents which theoretically one day we might be because we're so old already um not like together but you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> then um, we would be more like Lily in the movies rather than Lily in the books. Um, so anyway, the, <laughs> I just needed... I'm, I'm glad I got to talk about that for five minutes because, again, I think it's just something that people either don't know, didn't think about, but it's something that I think we should all know uh, if we're, if we're going to continue to engage with Harry Potter. And uh, I'm one of those people. Um, Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Uh, also, I read slash listened to the Tales of Beetle and Bard, which, if you'll if you know Harry Potter, is um, from the book. It's the book that uh, Dumbledore bequeaths um, Hermione, and so the book is written by J.K. Rowling. However, the way that it's written is like it's from Hogwarts um, library, so it has like notes from Dumbledore and that sort of thing. Also, I want to talk about the Fantastic Beast movies real quick. Because I've recently reevaluated them. I personally really liked the first one. The second one, I didn't hate. And then I engaged with media telling me to hate it. And then I went, so I decided to go back and rewatch them. And I was like, you know what? I don't hate parts of this. I, I get certain parts that like people have issues with. But there were some people that were like, why did J.K. make Dumbledore and Grindelwald gay? Well, in my reread of Harry Potter this time, I played, I played, I paid special attention to that, and there are so many indications in Harry Potter um, of Dumbledore and Grindelwald having a having a um, a very very close relationship, and no, she never said uh, Dumbledore was gay, but also. People don't do that. <laughs> People don't just be like, oh, the gay headmaster? No, that wasn't his defining fucking characteristic. It was that he was a great wizard. God damn it, don't make well, it... Well, when she, when she wrote it, that was still very much a time of um, mm -hmm. queer coding characters rather than explicitly saying, like, this person is a, a homosexual. Right, well, also... In Dumbledore's time, like he was, it was you know, it was that was happening in the nineties, folks. <laughs> like that when he was old, like when he was growing up, that was in the like what the fucking early nineteen hundreds <laughs> or nineteen. <laughs> like yeah. my God, Dumbledore was born in thirteen seventy two. Dumbledore was actually twenty one when he died too. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, he didn't age well. <laughs> no. Uh, he was actually... The actor that played him was also 21. Oh, no. Well, they had to go through two actors because... <laughs> Too soon. Oh, um, my God. Sorry, the final thing I'll say is that I've also... Um, so I've, I've, I had engaged with her writing before, but I've started to re-engage with it. Rachel Held Evans, uh, who's like a progressive Christian. She grew up... 
um, in a very conservative town. And then she started just like questioning everything. And so I just really enjoy her writings. Um, and just rest in peace and power to her. She had passed away in 2019. She was only like 36. Um, but she has three great books. Um, I had read Searching for Sunday, but then I realized she had two other books. And so those are the two that I'm engaging with now. Inspired, Slaying Dragons, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again. And Evolving in Monkey Town, How a Girl Who Knew All the Answers Learned to Ask Questions. Sorry, Carson, my walking and talking section was so long because I had to go on a rant about Lily Potter's age. What have you been reading, listening to, and watching? Um, I just want to say, I think I fell asleep to the second Fantastic Beast movie in the theater. It's another one that I fell asleep that we were watching together. <laughs> and that was another action-packed one. Yeah, sorry. You really don't um, like action. The chairs are just so comfortable. <laughs> they are, though. I don't get enough sleep. Um, I've been watching That's So Raven on Disney Channel, and it's a good show. Yes! Like, sometimes re-watching old Disney shows, I'm like, ugh, like, cringe, like, why did I watch this? Why did I like it? And the, you see, like, the acting, and you're like, this is horrible! <laughs> but That's So Raven is actually, um, a very good show. I've laughed out loud, like, several times. Um, but also, it's the show that we talked about I don't know how many episodes ago where I said there's a, a show with a principal who spits when he says like peas like people people yeah yes it's it's that's the raven oh that's, that's what it's from okay yeah which makes sense now I that I think he's just of, a teacher or something but yeah now that I think of um Simone's not Simone that's her last name <laughs> why did I call her Simone <laughs> but her face is now I'm like okay now I'm remembering that was in react a lot of those were in reaction to uh the spitting yeah yep and that's it that's all i've been doing oh no i'm sorry um well can we go to oh no's yeah let's do it i'm gonna lead off on this one um my the worst thing about my week and my life and my day is that i've been getting migraines mm. again um, and I love that I put this in here because I'm like, I feel like, um, this, um, podcast has become a journal of sorts for us yep. that we can just like go back and listen to. And I'm just, I can be like, Oh, I had a migraine again. <laughs> yep. So I just like tell my doctor to listen to the podcast. <laughs> just be like, skip to like the last five minutes you can get what's going good in my life what's going bad in my life and you're good <laughs> um yeah but I also kind of wanted to know if you were getting migraines as well because I feel like we usually have them at the same time so I was wondering if it was like a weather thing the last one I got was when I picked up my parents from the airport which would have been about a month and a half ago however okay. my allergies have been real bad um, which means I've Mine had too. sinus headaches. Um, but sinus headaches are different from migraines for me. The, I mean, the distinct characteristic with my migraines is blindness, which yeah. luckily well, I haven't any had. Sort of, but. Any sort of headache is a trigger for a migraine for me, which is horrible. Mm. So I'm I, guessing I, be, I bet it's your allergies. Yeah. Yeah. As, so, um, well, my oh no is relatively short. It's just. Emailing with old men who <laughs> piss me off. And I'm just like, sweet baby Jesus, why is this so difficult? Um, yeah, so I'm just going to leave it at that because if I go in, I'm going to go in and no one needs me to go in. I already went in on Lily Potter's age. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, yes, bitches? Yes. Yeah. Um, mine is that I am done with law school. Ah! Um, I'm so proud of myself. I'm so happy for me. Um, and tomorrow when this, or two, no, in two days when this airs, I should have my grades and everything and just know for sure, for sure that I'm graduating. Mm -hmm. But I think we're good. Like, I think we're in the clear. Unless... If you listen next week, and my oh no is that I have to take a class over the summer because <laughs> I'm not graduating. <laughs> you will. I I believe in you. <laughs> Fuck them if you do. <laughs> if you do, I'll, I'll do all the work. Just kidding. <laughs> they play this back. 
They're like, why did your my work... Ono for next My Ono for next week is that I didn't pick an associate of the week for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that can be our correction for next week. Perfect. <laughs> that just means you all get two for next week. Um, my yes bitch is pretty quick, which is that um, we had a scrimmage for uh, tennis today. And my team is looking good. I think I told the listeners that I'm the captain this year. If not, I'm the captain this year. Which also, this is partially from my oh no. But it's fine. It's a yes bitch. Because now we're going to um, the fact that uh, the scrimmage happened. And my team, if it were a real match, we would have won 5-0. and So I'm very proud of them. I, d- I didn't even play today. Well, I did play a set at the end. But I didn't play during the scrimmage scrimmage part. And um, not that me playing means winning or losing but um it was just nice to watch and see how different pairings did together so that's all i'm at i love that you were you literally were just like my team won despite the fact that i was not playing i was i was watching them and and then you're like that's not what i meant that's That's not what i meant it's not it's not well it was in the in the email that i sent them about the scrimmage i was like so you'll notice in the lineup that I'm not playing. That is because I will be watching you. So do well. <laughs> and they all did well. So I think me uh, warning oh them much. <laughs> it's fine. That's intense. Yeah, yeah um, I take it pretty seriously. Some of the, I think some of the guys appreciate it. I think some of the guys are like, okay, it's nice to, you know, have, um, have a little more, uh, I think, not accountability, but just like, it's nice to have someone on our ass, right? Um, telling because like I, I'm kind of that way where like if you don't constantly like I'm, I may not take it fully seriously, but like if I have someone that's super intense and like I can see their passion in something, then I'll I'll get I'll get into it. Um, just in general, so I'm hoping that that comes across with some of the guys. Some of the guys I could tell are just like, "Sweet Jesus, what is wrong with him? Why is he? Why? Why at eight thirty in the morning is he already at a 10? And I'm like, "Because I can go up to a twenty-three out of ten. That's why." Um, and I am a fully awake from my nap now, and it's a perfect time to end the podcast before I go more feral. Um, thank you, everyone. I'll just say, have a good week, and bye. <laughs> subscribe rate and review us or else Preston will hunt you down and yell at you like he does his tennis team (laughs) yep and I will find you (laughs) bye